سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Many times when speaking of the deen people talk about three things the first is ilm which is sacred knowledge the second is amal the ability to practice upon that knowledge to be a person of good works good action, good deeds and the third thing is ikhlas, to have sincerity in your action. And then after that, then two more things come. The fourth thing is istikama, that you have constancy, regularity in your sincerity. You have constancy, regularity in your action. That you are sincere in your knowledge, sincere in your practice. And the fifth and final thing is kubuliyah, that Allah SWT accepts this. In other words, that we do so many things that Allah SWT chooses to accept it with His grace. Because at the end of the day, Allah SWT's majesty is such that we don't know for sure if He's going to accept anything that we do. It's possible that the acts of worship that we do are so defective or due to such a lack of sincerity or due to lack of knowledge that we don't do them correctly that they might not be accepted in Allah SWT's court. So, ilm, amal, ikhlas, istiqamat, and kubuliyat. These are going to be the things that we talk about in the next few weeks, inshallah. The first thing today then is ilm. And the value of ilm really, the value of knowledge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eyes is best understood when in a sense you look at the history. In terms of human history, what role has knowledge played? And you have to go before human beings came to earth. You have to go to that conversation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recorded in the Quran between himself and the angels when he first created humanity. And he said to the angels, Inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa that I'm, verily, I'm about to place on earth, to make on earth my khalifa, my representative, my naib, my deputy, some type of being that represents me in some way, that knows me. When Allah SWT decided to create humanity and to adorn them with this rank, this cloak of being Ashraf al-Makhlukat of the greatest of creation, what did He do when the angels said, right, the angels complained to Allah that, Ya Allah, are you going to put someone on earth, some type of being on earth that is going to create fasad, that is going to spread corruption, that is going to fight? So the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did is He invoked His knowledge. He said, Inni a'lamu ma la ta'lamun. That verily I have more knowledge, I am a'lam, I am more knowing of those things which you angels, which you do know not, which you know not. In other words, the whole creation of humanity first took place in Allah's knowledge. In other words, his response to the angels as to why are you going to create humanity, why are you going to send them on earth as your khalifa, the first answer Allah Taala gave was his own knowledge. That he had some knowledge about what he was going to do. Allah had knowledge about the being that he was going to create. Allah had knowledge about the sifat or the attribute of this human race. And because Allah was creating us out of the sifat of ilm then. In other words, if you look at what are the attributes of Allah found that had a role in our creation. The first is his attribute of Al-Khalaq, that he is the creator. But from this verse, Allah SWT is saying that also his attribute of ilm being Al-Alim or the All-Knowing also played a role at the moment of the creation of humanity. 
And then the very first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did as mentioned in the Quran is He also gave ilm to Sayyidina Adam He said وَأَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا That verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Sayyidina Adam the names of everything. And different commentators on the Quran have understood this differently. One uh, tafsir of this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply just taught Adam language. That he taught them the names of everything, terminology, names, words. And another thing is that names have no meaning without knowing the beings that they're named. And if you only know a name, you have no idea what the named thing is. If you know the word chair, but you have no idea what a chair is, then that's sort of, you wouldn't call that knowledge. That doesn't have any value. So then the other group of Quranic commentators said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't just teach Adam alayhi salam the names of things, but he also taught Adam alayhi salam the reality of things themselves. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Adam alayhi salam an entire world of knowledge. Part of that knowledge was the names of the different things or realities or beings or feelings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the angels bow to prostrate to go into sajda to say na Adam alayhi salam. And after they did that, the angels replied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Subhanaka, la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka antal alim al-hakim. That verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Subhan be to you. This means glorious are you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah means, O oh Allah, glorious are you, exalted are you beyond any type of nooks, any type of imperfection, any type of fault. Glory to you, you are the most pure and exalted of beings. La ilma lana, truly, Ya Allah, we have no knowledge. Illa ma allamtana, except that which you have taught us, Allah. Innaka antal alimul hakim, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are the all-knowing one, you are the possessor of infinite wisdom. And by virtue of the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed on Adam alayhi salam, right, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as you know, He made the angels bow to Adam alayhi salam, according to some commentators, by virtue of this knowledge. There's a hadith of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa in which he said, Al-ilmu nurun, that knowledge is nur, sacred knowledge, ilm about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ilm about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ilm is nur, is a light that illuminates a person's life, that illuminates a person's heart. And this nur then, if you look at it this way, when we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed ilm on Adam alayhi salam, if according to this hadith, ilm is actually nur, you would say in a sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed some type of nur on Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. And one way Mufassirin have understood this is that, well, what are the names that Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam was taught when we talk about the asma? So one of the asma'ul ashia, one of the names of worldly things. But a second type of name certainly would have been the asma'ul husna, would have been the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So some of us believe that the angels, although certainly they worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah had never given the angels that much knowledge about Himself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not revealed His attributes, His names, His sifat, His asma'ul husna to the angels. This, was some, this is a unique type of knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reserved for human beings. This is that special type of knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon Adam alayhi salam. In other words, this is ilm about Allah. This is ma'rifah. This is intimate knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which includes the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine attributes. 
and that certainly right that type of ilm certainly according to Sadiq would be worthy of being called nur would be worthy of being called light then on this earth when Sayyidina Adam came down to earth Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exalted all of the prophets above humanity and one way he did that right by not simply by making them nabis by making them prophets but by giving them special knowledge called wahi in other words, the distinctive nature between the distinction between a, wah, a nabi and a ghair nabi, between a prophet and an ordinary human being, is that a prophet has wahi, has divine revelation, has divine messages. Sometimes that wahi, that revelation, is scriptural, like the Quran. Sometimes that wahi is inspirational; it doesn't come in the form of a text, like the hadith. It's actually Muslim belief, Orthodox classical Muslim belief, that the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu is also revelation is also called wahi in Arabic but it's not scriptural so it's not recited it's not textual but whenever the Prophet was teaching the Sahaba telling them things about Allah telling them things about the deen that was also he was speaking from a knowledge that they didn't have access to he was a speak, speaking from a knowledge that was inspired to him that was revealed to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so then the distinctive thing about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is his attribute al-alim that he is the all-knowing the special thing about the creation of Adam al-Islam that Adam al-Islam and hence all of humanity was created out of the sifat, the attribute of ilm of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave all of humanity through Adam al-Islam this inherent, this ilm of the asha, ilm of this world and ilm of the asma al-husna, ilm of Allah then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exalted, distinguished the prophets by giving them this type of knowledge and the prophets were able to guide humanity through, through using knowledge so knowledge has an incredible history uh, in, hum- uh, in our human experience and knowledge has a credible history in terms of Allah's knowledge and the knowledge that He bestows upon prophets so it becomes very clear when we read the Quran and we study our history is that Allah wants human beings to become people of knowledge because knowledge is the distinctive thing that He's given human beings and specifically again knowledge about Allah and His deen so that means imagine how sad a member of creation it is if she doesn't know anything about her creator how sad is that Muslim who doesn't know about her Lord who doesn't know these Asma'ul Husna who doesn't know the 99 names of Allah doesn't know their meanings doesn't know how she's supposed to mold her life or her relationship with Allah based on this knowledge so if ilm is the first step then you have amal, then you have ikhlas then you have istikama, then you have kubuliyah if we don't have ilm what happens is we've been cut at the roots we've been, we, we failed at step number one therefore we would never be able to lead ourselves to step numbers two to five so sacred knowledge, knowledge about Allah, knowledge about deen is the imtiyad, is the distinguishing feature of a believing Muslim and Muslim this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran that it is, is it ever possible? It's a hypothetical question. Is it possible that those who have ilm could ever be considered equal to those who don't have ilm? Or rather, is it possible that the la ya'lamun, the people who don't have knowledge, be equal to those who have knowledge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eyes? It's not possible. Because the daraja, the rank that Allah has bestowed upon humanity, is in part due to the knowledge that Allah has given humanity. Or if ilm is nur, as the Prophet mentioned, then obviously a person who has more ilm, has more sacred knowledge, and is, is true to that knowledge, that person has more nur, has more light. And light can never be equivalent to dark. Ilm can never be equivalent to jahala. In fact, the Prophet in many places uh, coined the simile or likened 
ignorance or lack of knowledge to darkness. And a person, imagine a person who's fumbling in the dark. If you take dark in its literal meaning, look how lost you are when it's physically dark. If you take darkness in an allegorical meaning, which means an absence of guidance, bereft of information, being bereft of knowledge, then look how a person is, is unable to function. A person becomes blind, whether they're physically blind or they're spiritually blind. And they're unable to make progress towards their Lord. So this means then, right, when we look at these ayahs, that ilm is such an important thing in our religion. And that's why, uh, you know, your Sobhya Bhaji has started this program for you uh, twice a week so that you can increase in your ilm because knowledge and spirituality can never be separate in Islam. There's no way a person can say, oh, I'm a spiritual person. I'm a very spiritual Muslim. And I don't have any ilm about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't have any knowledge of that spirituality. They don't have any knowledge of that religion that is the vessel for spirituality. It's not possible. Ilm is nur. So if you want to have the nur of spirituality, you have to endow yourself with sacred knowledge. In addition to sacred knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually made the prophets the agents of the most fundamental human worldly sciences that we have. For example, it comes in hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed the science of agriculture upon Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. Because the second Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam and Amma Hawa radiallahu landed on earth, they needed to know how to harvest the land. They needed to know how to live off the land. And that was the knowledge which in modern sense we would call agricultural sciences, the basics of it, right? That Allah subhanahu wa bestowed upon Adam alayhi salam. It is, comes in the hadith that the knowledge of writing, literacy, was first sent upon the Prophet Idris alayhi salam. The knowledge of woodwork was first sent upon the Prophet Nuh alayhi salam. The knowledge of iron work, working with metal, steel, irons, was sent upon Dawud alayhi salam. So the prophets were in some cases, the earlier prophets, these very early prophets, uh, before Isa salam, before Musa salam, the very early prophets of humanity, also guided people by providing them material sciences, worldly knowledge. And that shows that in our religion, worldly knowledge is meant to be used as, as something that simplifies your life on earth, doesn't, doesn't complicate it. Worldly knowledge is something that is meant to be used to simplify your life on earth to free you up for the worship and recognition and modify and knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, obviously the most important knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed onto the prophets is what we call the ulum al-shari'ah or the knowledge of halal and haram. The knowledge of those things that would make a human being pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those things that would make a human being displeasing to Him. This is why Allah says to the Prophet in the Quran, Inna awhayna ilayka kama awhayna ila nuhin min ba'dihi That verily we have sent wahi, we have revealed upon you, we have sent revelation towards you. The very same way that we sent revelation to Nuh salam and the way we sent revelation to the prophets that came after him. So in other words, there's been a series of chain of knowledge. Islam represents, in that sense, the culmination of human knowledge. In other words, whatever Islam has to teach us about human beings or society, social sciences will never be able to rival that. And I think it's a big tragedy that in this world we don't, we don't understand that. I'm not discounting the social sciences at all. But people give so much weight to that, right? I mean, if I, nobody would invite me to speak at Princeton University, 
about Hegel and about Heidegger and about Foucault and about Derrida unless I, I could prove to them that I had done a PhD in social theory, that I had written articles in this field. I wouldn't be allowed to take the names of Foucault and Derrida and Hegel and Kant and all of these people unless I was considered a person of knowledge. But today people take the names of Abu Hanifa and Imam Bukhari without being people of knowledge. And that's what we've forgotten, that if you think social sciences is deep, which it certainly is, believe me, if you start reading some of this stuff, you'll realize this stuff is extremely deep, extremely intense type of knowledge. We know that the most incredible thing Allah SWT has revealed to humanity is the deen of Islam. Therefore the most deep, the most intense, the deepest oceans, the fathomless, endless depths of the oceans of knowledge of Islam aren't even rivaled by the world of social sciences and humanities or the philosophy of science and philosophy of mathematics. It's that we're so distant from our religion, we've become so distant from our tradition of knowledge, it's that we have no appreciation for that. Therefore an average Lum student will tell you that you know Hegel is intense, Hegel is deep. And if you ask them about Ghazali, they'll have no clue. They don't even have that trust that Islamic scholarship or the Islamic intellectual tradition is something that is rich, is something that is deep. And, and, that's, and that's a big tragedy that we've been cut off from our religion, cut off from our tradition. When you become disconnected from knowledge, it's very easy in this world to connect you to someone else. If a person is disconnected from their intellectual heritage, it's very easy to connect them to MTV, to HBO, to sitcoms, to music, to fashion, to society, to Western social sciences, to modern, liberal, modernist, reformist interpretations of Islam. Because the person is disconnected. In fact, Islam itself teaches us this lesson. You have to first do La ilaha. You have to first disconnect yourself from shirk, from false beliefs, from false theology. After that disconnection comes illallah, comes the affirmation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if somebody succeeds in disconnecting you from your intellectual heritage, from your intellectual tradition, from your history, from your warasa, right? The Prophet said indeed that the Anbiya don't leave anything behind as a warasa, as an inheritance. They don't bequeath anything to their followers except knowledge. So if we don't have knowledge of this religion, it means that fine, we didn't meet the Prophet ﷺ, but we voluntarily have chosen not to drink from his inheritance. Not to take advantage of the incredible legacy of knowledge that he has left behind. <laughs> so ilm is something that actually is great in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eyes. And that is why when Allah SWT talks about the story of Musa Salam and Khizr, right? Uh, the tafsir of that surah is that Musa Salam told someone that there is nobody who knows more than me, right, on the face of earth, on the face of this earth. And Allah SWT revealed to Musa Salam that no, there is somebody else on earth who we actually have given not more knowledge than you in, in entirety, not in total, but there are certain types of knowledge that we have given him that we may not necessarily have given you. And the way Al-Fahant describes this in the Qur'an, he says, وَأَلَّمَهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّ ilma," That verily that we educated, we gave ilm, we gave knowledge to Sayyidina Khizr, مِنْ لَدُنَّ from ourselves. We gave him knowledge from ourselves. And in Persian they call this ilmi ladunni, That that ilm which comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Musa Salam immediately set forth. He said that, no, I, can, I, I have to meet this person. I have to get the knowledge. Right? And he traveled out with a companion in the quest of Khidr al-Islam, in the quest of that knowledge. When he met Khidr al-Islam, he asked him, 
He said, I just want your permission to spend time in your company. I'm not asking you to teach me formally. I just want to be with you. And this shows you, right, that sometimes simply keeping the company of the, the ulama, keeping the company of people who have knowledge, is a way of, of that knowledge being transmitted down to you. That is, you have so much to learn from another person. You learn from everyone in the world, even if you keep the company of someone who doesn't do something properly. Sometimes you don't realize the mistakes in yourself until you see someone making those mistakes. Someone, sometimes you see a person do something that you yourself know you do, but you never realized that maybe it was a mistake or it was arrogant or there was something wrong in doing it. But when you see someone else do that, you're like, you know, you realize it, oh wow, you know, this is not the best way of behaving. And now that I've seen, I've become embarrassed and I saw this person behave in such a way, I should realize how embarrassing it is for me when I behave in such a way. So Khair Sayyidina Musa kept the company of Sayyidina Khidr, right? And, and that's a whole sort of other story, maybe we'll do that uh, for another time. But it shows the daraja or the level that Allah Subhanahu has granted to knowledge. That knowledge is something, and this has been the history of our ummah, and even the history of previously pious uh, communities, that they would travel for the sake of their religion. There are two sort of things that a person gets, right? There are two grades. The first is that knowledge that precedes your action. Those are two types of knowledge. One is that type of ilm that comes before amal, right? And again, we're talking about ilm of the sharia or ilm of halal or haram. In other words, you get knowledge. If you let that knowledge trans- be translated into taqwa, if you let that knowledge be translated into piety, if you make that knowledge not dwell into your heart, permeate into your limbs, if you let that knowledge govern your actions and you become a person of taqwa, then Allah Ta'ala does a second thing that Allah Ta'ala increases you in your knowledge. Allah says in the Quran al-Kareem, in furqana that if you become a person of taqwa, if you fear Allah by acting piously in the knowledge that you have, yajallakum furqana that Allah Ta'ala will make a furqan for you. In other words, He will increase you in your knowledge, in your ability to distinguish. Furqan literally means the ability to distinguish, criteria. The ability to discern, the faculty of discernment between haq, between truth, and between batil, and between falsehood. Right? In another place, Allah SWT said in the Quran al-Kareem, اِتَّقُوا wa وَيُعَلِّمَكُمُ Allah." But if you fear Allah SWT, Allah will increase you in your knowledge. And the Prophet taught us in the Quran al-Fan taught us that we should make dua to Allah. وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي ilma That you should make dua and we put this plaque up right on all of our entrances to all of our buildings but this is a dua, right? And this literally here on, uh, uh, didn't mean necessarily the knowledge we get here at Lums رَبِّ زِدْنِي ilma meant that Allah SWT increase me in knowledge of the religion increase me in knowledge that is beneficial increase me in knowledge about yourself increase me in knowledge of those things that will make me pleasing to you and the hukam of attaining knowledge, Allah SWT, the Prophet mentioned in That seeking knowledge, seeking sacred knowledge is fard, is mandatory upon every male Muslim and every female Muslim. So it's equality of responsibility as far as men and women go in Islam. And another hadith, the Prophet said that this is a lifelong thing. That you should... Seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. 
from birth to death you have to be a person who is acquiring knowledge. So worldly knowledge ends with your degrees, right? This acquisition and the seeking of sacred and religious knowledge is a lifelong pursuit. And the reason why we acquire knowledge, the niya, the intention behind that knowledge is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? To earn the rida, to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To learn how to fear Him. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, the innama yakshallaha min ibadihil ulama, that verily the, those of Allah's servants who truly fear Him are those who have ilm, those who have knowledge. Because the more and more knowledge you get of Allah, the more and more knowledge you get of the deen, in reality the more humbled you are. The immense knowledge in our religion has an incredible humbling effect on a person. A person becomes awed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're such an incredible being that you reveal so much knowledge in the form of this Quran and Sunnah that we are humbled before you. And increases our fear of Allah. Right? When we realize that how wonderful, how beautiful a being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and how important it is for us to become His servants, then our fear of Him increases lest we not be true to the knowledge that we follow. And, and this is a famous story that I've told many of you, right? That in the, in the Nizamiya Madrasa in Baghdad, right? A person once went to Nizam al-Mulk who was the vizier of the time who had made all these madrasas and told him that people are studying in your madrasa for the wrong reason. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, people are trying to gain sacred knowledge for the sake of worldly gain. He said, but that's not possible. And so Nizam al-Mulk went to his madrasa and he started interviewing students. And back then, you know, because there weren't pictures, there weren't televisions, people knew the name Nizam al-Mulk, but an average student did not know what Nizam al-Mulk looked like, right? And so he went to the students and he asked them, and he went to the students and said, okay, why is it that you've come to this madrasa? And the students said that I come to this madrasa because from graduating from the madrasa, I'll become imam of a jami masjid, of a large masjid. And the imam of the masjid has a certain status and maqam amongst the people. And others he was doing it for the sake of this world. Then he went to another student and said, Why is it that you've come to the madrasa? And that student said that I'm doing it to become a mufti, to become a qadi. I've seen that when you become a mufti or Islamic jurist or a qadi or a judge, people respect you and people give you lots of gifts. Right? And so in other words, he was doing it for the sake of this world. So Nizam... Nizam al-Mulk continued and he found that every student was telling him the same thing. So he left the madrasa and he said, and he left the madrasa with the intention to close the madrasa down, to close all of the Nizami academies that he had established throughout the Muslim world, to close all of them down. On his way out, uh, because it had become a bit late by now, he saw one student studying by candlelight. And he went up to that one student and he asked him, he said that, okay, let me ask this one last student before I make my decision final. And this is really the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works. That whenever a person wants to decide, make a decision in sincerity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides that person to people or to events that enable him to make the decision that is best for this ummah. So Nizam al-Mulk went to the student and asked him that why is it that you're here? I, you know, I want to ask you why is it that you've come to study in this madrasa? And the student looked up at him and said, I don't have time to answer such questions and went back to his reading. And the Nizam al-Mulk said again, that no, I really want you to tell me, I'm very interested in you, I want you to tell me, why is it that you came to study in this madrasa? The student looked up at him again and said, look, uh, I'm not here to answer your questions, and I don't have time for this, so please don't bother me. Nizam al-Mulk didn't give up, Nizam al-Mulk didn't give up, and he asked a third time. When he asked a third time, right, the student realized that the quickest way to get out of this, the quickest way to save my time is actually to respond. Okay? 
So he responded to Nizam al-Mulk. He said, look, I will answer you, but I'm going to ask you that you don't bother me anymore. And the answer is very simple, that I came here to learn how to earn the pleasure of Allah because I decided in my life that I want to live my life in a way that's pleasing to Him. The knowledge of those things that are pleasing to Allah exists in these books, exists in the, in the sacred knowledge of our tradition, and that's why I've come to this madrasa. And after Nizam al-Mulk heard the student, then he decided that, okay, there are still people left who are pure in their intention, and I shouldn't close the madrasa down because there will always be people who are pure in, this, pure in their intention. And this same student later on graduated from the madrasa and went on to become the famous Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali. Right? This was young Imam al-Ghazali studying as a student. So it shows you, I mean, that intention. If we don't have that knowledge, the question is that the reason we don't have the knowledge that they had is because we don't have that intention. How many of us have said that the most important intention of our life is to learn how to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we're willing to leave our homes, our countries, our families, our society. Uh, if our society tells us we should study this, uh, if our parents want us to study this, we will leave anything and everything because this is the ultimate goal of our life. And very few people left on earth have that intention. If anybody still today has that intention, the doors to ilm and the nur of that ilm, the light of that, that illumination of that knowledge is still open to them today. And, and you know, and this yeah. is what Imam Malik rahimahullah, the famous jurist, used to say that ilm is not kasrat al-riwayat. Ilm is not knowing multiple chains of transmission, knowing so many things. Ilm is a nur that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts into your heart. And you have to want that nur, you have to want that light, that light of guidance. Interestingly, however, no matter how great ilm is, ilm on its own is not enough. It's what we call in Arabic, it's a shart, but it's not a illa titama. It's a, it's, a, it's a necessary condition, but it's not a sufficient condition on its own. In other words, you need that knowledge. You need the knowledge of the halal and haram. You need the knowledge of the ahkam, the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You need the knowledge of the awamir and the nawahi about his commandments, about his prohibitions. But knowledge itself Although it's a shart, an extremely important shart, it's not enough. Because knowledge is a step, knowledge is a means to an end. And that, it's a means to amal, it's a means to tazkiyah, it's a means to purification, it's a means to islah, it's a means to reform and rectification of our life. And finally, so it's a means of number one of tazkiyah, it's a means number two to islah, to reform and rectification. And knowledge is a means, number three, to the marifa or the understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He wishes to be understood, then you understand what your relationship with Him is supposed to be. When you understand your relationship to Allah, then and only then will you understand what your relationship to this world is supposed to be. What we do, right, the modern day Muslims, we do it backwards. We first try to understand our relationship to this world. After that is set in stone, then whatever's left, we try to understand our relationship to Allah. It can't work that way. It's never worked that way, right? The first thing is to understand what our relationship to our Lord is supposed to be. Once that is set in stone, whatever is left, you can understand what our relationship to this world is supposed to be.
then one of one, another one of those another one of the aims of ilm is that fear, is that khashiyat that Allah Subhanahu mentions in the Quran, right? And that's something that very few people have today, right? Fear of Allah is one of the most disappearing things in this world. There are very few people. If you ask them, you know, I could ask a person that why don't you give me a one-hour presentation on uh, the SS major? A person will be able to do that. If I ask them speak in front of people for one full hour on the love for Allah, a person won't be able to do that. A person will only be able to speak for about 15-20 minutes. If I ask a person to speak on the fear of Allah, a person won't be able to speak for three or five minutes. Right? That shows you the level of our knowledge that we can't speak on this topic. It's incredible the kind of topics that we can speak on. I was telling my students in class today that by watching so much TV, by being addicted to the sitcom called Friends, you know so much about Jennifer Aniston. In fact, you don't, it's not even Jennifer Aniston. I told them that you know so much about Rachel, right? Rachel is a fictional character. She's a make-believe person. But by watching episode after episode, you know more about the personality of this make-believe person called Rachel than you know about the nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's shocking. It's mind-boggling. You've listened to Jennifer Aniston's voice on Friends more than you've listened to the Qur'an with understanding. It's mind-boggling. It's shocking. Right? But that's really what it is. And so when you don't have knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and on top of that, on top of that you have this gross imbalance that we give our hearts, we give our minds, we give our emotions. People cry when friends ended. People feel longing when they finish watching the DVDs of every season of friends. They wish that there was another season to watch. They watch reruns. They watch that. It's insane. They, watching it the first time is insane. Watching it, you're so hooked, you watch it a second time. They watch it a third time. It shows you that what, there's something extremely skewed. That we're more interested in the make-believe lives of these people than we are in the most real Al-Haq, the real, imminent, permanent, transcendent being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when we fill our hearts and we fill our minds with all of these false things, it's what prevents us from realizing this absence of ill. If you empty your heart from everything that is false, and that is where the barakah of dhikr comes in. Right? When you try to do zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you try to disconnect yourself from everything, and you only try to remember Him, then when we realize how empty we really are. In other words, we've filled up our hearts and minds with ghairullah. Once you start taking out everything that is ghair, you realize that our hearts are a wasteland. Our hearts are a desert. Our hearts are totally abandoned. They're barren. Right? And you need to plant in your heart the seed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you need the nur of the ilm of Allah and the nur of the ilm of the beloved messenger of Allah وسلم, and the nur of the ilm of the kitab of Allah, the Quran al Kareem, and the nur of the ilm of the deen of Allah, of this deen called Islam. You need that nur, right, to replenish your heart, to make your heart fertile, right, with the knowledge of Allah and with the knowledge of those things that are pleasing to Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us the ability to become people of ilm, to become people of knowledge, to at the very least today make each and every one of us people of intention, people of niya, people who have a talab, have a yearning, have a desire, have an intention, have a mission in their life, that we don't want to die until we have attained this level of knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
that we don't want death to overcome us until we have learned all of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us. We don't want the angel of death to take our soul out from our bodies until we've made that ruh munawwar, until we've illuminated our hearts with the nur of the ilm of this deen. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Subhanallah Milan Muhammadullah Masaniyana Sinana Muhammad Wala Ali Sinana Muhammad Ubarik Vasanam Rabbana Dalamna Anfusana Wa Illam Takfilana Watarhamna Lanakunana Manal Khasirin Rabbi Zidna Ilma Ya Rabbi Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah Our Lord Our Cherisher Our Sustainer Ya Allah You were so kind to us So benevolent to us Ya Allah You wish to gift us To bestow upon us The nur of ilm Ya Allah We are your wretched servants Ya Allah We have chosen to remain In ignorance over knowledge Ya Allah We have chosen to remain In darkness over light Ya Allah We ask you to send your mercy Upon us today Ya Allah We ask you to open up Our hearts for hidayah We ask you to guide Our hearts to your deen Ya Allah we ask you to guide our hearts Incline our hearts towards ilm Towards knowledge of this religion Ya Allah we ask you to open up our hearts To accept our hearts To become places of the nur of the ilm of Allah And the nur of the ilm of this deen Ya Allah please do not let us remain In the state of darkness Ya Allah do not let us remain In the state of ignorance Ya Allah light the flame of desire in our heart Ya Allah cast the urge of intention in our heart Ya Allah accept our intention this day Ya Allah make all the paths that lead to knowledge easy us. Ya Allah, make it easy for us to become people who acquire ilm. Ya Allah, grant us ilm al-nafi, grant us knowledge that benefits us. Grant us knowledge that we are able to implement. Ya Allah, grant us amal on our ilm. Ya Allah, grant us ikhlas in our amal. Ya Allah, grant us istikama in our ikhlas. And Ya Allah, grant us your kabuliyat out of your divine grace. Ya Allah, grace with your divinity acceptance. Ya Allah, accept the amal and the actions that we do. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, increase us of the knowledge of the deen. Increase us of the knowledge of the Quran increase us Ya Allah we wish to know we wish to know how to pronounce the Quran correctly Ya Allah bestow upon us the ilm of tajweed Ya Allah we want to know not just how to recite the Quran Ya Allah we want to know the meanings of the Quran Ya Allah we want to know the meanings of the words of the Quran Ya Allah we want to know the meanings of the understandings of the Quran Ya grant us the ilm of tarjima and the ilm of tafsir Ya Allah grant us the ilm of the ma'arif Ya Allah grant us the deep and subtle knowledges of the Quran al Kareem. Ya Allah, we want to have ilm of the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ya Allah, let us know each and everything that he said. Ya Allah, let us be true in our claim of love for him, that we love each and every one of his teachings. Ya Allah, make us love him so much that each and every word that he said, each and every teaching that he left behind is more beloved to us than the words and teachings of, 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 of our normal, ordinary human beings. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with the words of the Qur'an and the words of the sunnah. And Ya Allah, increase us in our knowledge of you. Increase us in the knowledge of you the way you wish to be known. Ya Allah, increase us in our knowledge of your sifat, of your attributes, of your asma' al-husna, of your most beautiful names. Ya Allah, increase us in our knowledge of the halal and the haram. Increase us in our knowledge of those things that will earn your pleasure. Ya Allah, increase us in our knowledge of those things that will keep us away from you. Ya Allah, let us become true carriers of this knowledge. Ya Allah, grant us the ikhlas, the sincerity. 
Ya Allah, to become carriers and maintainers of this knowledge. And Ya Allah, don't let, let not any piece of knowledge be taken away from us after we gained it due to our inability to act upon it. Ya Allah, grant us the ilm al-nafi, grant us the ilm that benefits. Ya Allah, let the newer of the ilm of the deen and the newer of your ilm, Ya Allah, penetrate our hearts. Permeate into our hearts. Let the newer of that ilm transform each and every atom of our body into action. Ya Allah, let the newer of that ilm transform each and every atom of our body into muhabbat and to love for you. Ya Allah, let love for you spring forth from each and every atom inside of us. Ya Allah, let fear for you spread forth from each and every atom inside of us. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samiul alim wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawab rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in bi rahmataka ya arham